We are so excited today to have with us Martin Pribe from the Chicago Police Department, Chicago being my hometown. And, uh, and uh, Marty, you just have such an incredibly diverse career and background. You are a, uh, you've been involved in uh, uh, you know, local politics. You are an author, you're an incredible author. First, let's talk just a little bit about what it's like uh, to be a Chicago cop these days. How different is it than say 20 years ago or so when you got on the job? Uh, well, when I got on eight, about 18 years ago, 17 years ago, it was, uh, it was a lot more fun. Uh, it, you felt like you were getting a lot more done. Uh, it's, it's, it's completely different now. And, and I'd say the morale is very low and the, the public opinion of, of uh, I should say the media narrative uh, about cops is, is, takes its toll in many forms and has done great uh, uh, damage to the law enforcement and to the justice system in this country. And I'm afraid sometimes that it's irrevocable. So it's, it's not a good time to be a police officer, particularly in cities like Chicago or Baltimore, Seattle, where this intense anti-police uh, movement has taken deep root in our institutions. Well, and you make a, a really good point. And I, I got on the job in uh, 1980. And uh, in 81, I went to the uh, Cook County Sheriff's Police Academy. And it was a very different time then in the 80s and on into the 90s. Uh, I did a lot of work in Chicago on a narcotics task force. And the city of Chicago is an amazing, beautiful place. Uh, my youngest daughter still lives there. But now it's a very, it's a very frightening place. Um, in fact, I've wanted to go visit. I don't live there anymore. Um, but I can't shop on the Magnificent Mile. I can't go to Grant Park. Um, and and so we talk about what's happening in Chicago. And people are surprised to find out, Marty, uh, the number of shootings that we have every weekend in Chicago, that doesn't happen in really in any other major city. That's starting to change and we'll talk about that. But for what, the past decade or so, we averaged what, 40 to 60 shootings a, a weekend in Chicago? Yes. it's. Uh... It's, it's almost become sort of accepted in Chicago that each weekend, particularly in the summer, in the summer is going to be sort of a, a slaughter. And uh, it, it, I think what you said about going to the Magnificent Mile and shopping and what a great city Chicago is, I think people are soon going to realize that even, you know, in addition to the bloodshed and the cruelty and the violence, Chicago's corruption and the breakdown in the law enforcement is having a cultural impact, too. I mean, people are leaving the city, and Chicago is a, a great center of culture in, in our in our country for music and art and literature, and all of that is going to be lost. And mar not only that, our markets and our economy. So it's 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 a devastating loss to lose a big city like Chicago the way we're losing it now. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not irreversible, but uh, I I be honest with you, I have my doubts these days. Well, why do you think that people in Chicago tolerate this current atmosphere? And we've had this atmosphere, yes, it's, it's it can, ramped up considerably uh, in the last six months or so, and especially since the George Floyd situation. But in Chicago, again, we've had the gang shootings, we have the drug dealing, we have um, 
so much violence every week in Chicago. And yet people seem to, like you said, tolerate it. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I don't think people really do tolerate it in and of itself. I mean, there's a lot of signs that people have had enough of it, particularly the signs that people are leaving. But I, I think that what's been happening in Chicago all the way since the late 1960s, and this is what I discovered as a writer, is that there's been the movement to turn criminals into victims and folk heroes and to turn uh, police into criminals. And this is a narrative that has taken root in the legal system, in the media, in the academia. And uh, it's I think it's false and I think it's uh, very dangerous. And I think that's sort of where it's rooted. Uh, uh, so I think that, uh, you know, these people who are at the core of this movement, you know, in the 60s, late 60s, they were very radical. They were, they were very part of these radical groups like the Weather Underground and, and the Black Panthers. And, and they were not tolerated. By the end of the 70s, they were sort of ignored. But they, a lot of them moved into the media, moved into academia, and they reinvented themselves. And they, and they, planted their roots in the, the, the media system and the legal system. And now they're sort of reaping the benefits of it. And I feel that the conservative movement didn't do a very good job of, of taking this on when they had a chance. And uh, so now it's sort of come to a pitched battle, I'm afraid, in this country. But I, I don't think, the thing I point to is that uh, with all the anti-police media coverage, people still have more faith in the, in the police than they do the media. I mean, the faith in the media is at an all-time low. And they never bring it up. They never discuss it. But people aren't buying their, their stories anymore. And uh, as a writer, I feel like a, a, an obligation to sort of fill that void and tell a different story as honestly as I can. Well, and I think that what we've seen in Chicago is, you know, the violence is tends to be contained to, you know, a few neighborhoods. It's not citywide. And there are so many good people in those neighborhoods that are just absolutely held hostage by the gangs. Uh, they don't really understand that they have as much control over their lives as they do. We talk about this in, in our training class. We talk about locus of control. People who are hopeless and don't uh, don't feel safe, don't feel like they're free to make their own decisions. So you have, you have people that keep, you know, they either don't vote or they keep voting in the, the wrong people. They don't understand that they do have some control over what's happening in the city of Chicago. And I would imagine that right now, Chicago cops are starting to feel the same way, that, that you guys don't have a lot of control over what's happening, and, and yet you, you go out there every night, and I know what you do, you go out there every single night, and you do your job, and you risk your life, and you talk to people, and you get involved in your communities, and yet what we're hearing from groups like Black Lives Matter, and of course, Mayor Lightfoot, is that you guys aren't doing enough, that it's you guys who are the problem. What do you think about that? I agree with what you're saying, and, and I think that the irony and the, the cruel irony of this movement is that the very people they, they claim to uh, be representing and fighting for are the ones who are most suffering through their actions. Uh, I, I think there's a, 
I think there's a great falseness in the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, I think it's offensive to tell police officers Black Lives Matter. Uh, there's nobody out there every day in all the neighborhoods, not just the Black neighborhoods, trying to, to, to enforce people's constitutional rights, to protect their constitutional rights, to protect their public safety. There, there are bad cops. There are bad cops. There's bad lawyers. There's bad journalists. There's bad doctors. Uh, but by and large, the police go out there and uh, they try and protect life and, and they're sworn to uphold the Constitution. So for these people to come up to you and say, oh, Black Lives Matter, uh, there's a great deceit in there. And I also think there's a great cowardice in it uh, for, for them. But people are, I, there's a great, there's a lot of confusion in people's minds. They, they, people really aren't able to see who the good guys are and who the bad guys are anymore or at least they're not able to see it through the media and uh, through other forms of, uh, of the intelligentsia. So uh, I feel, you know, there's this great vacuum. I'm a writer in addition to being a cop. I think there's this great vacuum, but in this vacuum, there's a great opportunity. There's many great stories to be told. And I focus heavily on the wrongful conviction movement because I discovered that a lot of these guys, they're letting out of prison on the claim that they're innocent is completely false. These guys are 100% guilty and that these detectives who they're vilifying are, are being thrown under the bus. And, uh, but it's, it's dire. It's dire. And I don't think anybody knows where it's coming. I'm afraid it's all coming to a head in this election. I, I believe that a lot of these demonstrations, which are really riots in Chicago, are sort of a, a preparation for the election. I, I think that both political parties feel that they cannot lose this election, that if they lose, they, they, they could be finished. And so I'm afraid that these riots are a warm up to what we're going to see in November. And I'm gr greatly alarmed by it and uh, I'm very nervous about it. I'll be honest with you. Well, and I would agree with that. I just had a conversation with a friend today where I, I told her, you need to make preparations for November, that what you're seeing now is just, I agree with you, absolutely. It's just a, a precursor to what we're going to see uh, on election day and, and post-election day. Uh, really, frankly, no matter who wins, I think we're going to have more riots, more fires, more looting, more violence. And, and people who support law enforcement, they truly need to understand that and they need to, to prepare for that. And, and law enforcement, obviously, is going to have to prepare for it, too. But do you think that, that proactive policing is starting to go uh, a, a little bit to the wayside, Marty? Not just in Chicago, but uh, nationwide. I, you know, yes, yes, absolutely. we were young cops, you know, uh, you know, you're younger than I am. But I, when I was a young cop, and I know when you were a young cop, you know, this job's a great adventure. Law enforcement's a fantastic job. It's different every single day. You get to help people. You get to catch the bad guys. There's really nothing better. And, and yet, it, it's not so much fun to go out there and be proactive when you're wondering if you're going to, tomorrow morning, are you going to be on the front page of the Chicago Tribune and the CNN headline that you're getting indicted for doing your job? Yes, I, I, think, it's, I think it's had a tremendous impact on policing and uh... You know, there's still guys out there doing a great job, but I, I think a lot more police are saying, hey, 
I'm not going to do traffic stops where I used to do traffic stops. I'm not going to do street stops where I used to do street stops. Uh, I'm going to go out there, give people a report and say, have a nice night. And I think there's some cops doing that, but I think there's also a lot that, you know, we still recover a lot of guns in Chicago. So that when we re recover guns. That means guys are out there doing the job and God bless them, you know? Uh, but, uh, I, I agree with you. I, and I think this is part of the movement. I mean, part of the movement to uh, undermine, the, to attack the police is to keep them from doing their job. And I think the gang members really feel this. I, I think they feel like they've never had more carte blanche with a, with a prosecutor like Kimberly Fox who goes out of her way to drop charges and put it back on the street. Uh, I think they're more emboldened than I've seen since I've been on the job. And uh, that's... That's very bad, very dangerous. I mean, when the gangs are running the streets, nothing's good is going to come from that. Well, and unfortunately, the gangs have had a real foothold in the streets, you know, for the last 40 years, you know, since I was a baby cop. And when you talk about somebody like Kim Fox, our, our state's attorney in Cook County, she has, she has uh, dropped more felony cases than any other state's attorney uh, in, in 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 history and she is dropping out know, the system in illinois a lot of people don't know it, you know just because a police officer arrests somebody doesn't mean that that person's going to go to trial it doesn't mean that they're going to even get charged that that when you're talking about felony charges it's absolutely up to that state's attorney whether or not this case is going to move forward so as a chicago police officer you guys can arrest everybody and their brother but it doesn't mean it's ever going to go to court. And I don't think people understand that. When you talk about, for example, the confiscation of guns and, and gun crime, that's always a big, um, a, a big talking point. Is Chicago has all this gun crime and Chicago needs more gun laws. There are no more uh, stronger gun laws uh, in any city in this country than there are in Chicago. And yet, you and I know what happens at gun court. They walk in and they walk out. Can you talk about that a little bit? Explain to people what really happens when we arrest somebody with an illegal gun in Chicago. Yeah, well, you know, what I always say, an unenforced law is no law at all. Uh -huh. And so she, she grants bonds. She gives very low bonds. She gives I bonds. She has, you, you ask any detective and they'll tell you now, when you call to get felony charges, they put you through this gauntlet. And if, and if there's one little thing they don't like, they'll, they'll, they won't approve the charges. Whereas before she was in office, they would. And so now you're getting a, some detectives and cops tell it, say, let's not, even, let's not even go the felony route because we know it's gonna get tossed. So those numbers are actually much, much worse than, than than they seem uh, uh, than they seem at a first glance. So then, in tr then along the way, she'll amend the charges and drop them down to misdemeanors, or she'll plead out. And before you know it, this guy's right back out on the street. And you know, getting you know what it's like getting guns off people is a it's high stress. And for you to go and get a gun off somebody who you know is a, is a predator, is a gang member, and then to turn around and see him back on the street a few days or a few weeks or months later, uh, you wonder, why am I doing this? And then when the same prosecutor is going out of her way to find ways to discipline or indict cops or uh, is relentlessly attacking them uh, uh, in the media, uh, 
and calling them all, you know, uh, part of uh, white supremacy and r racist uh, attacks. It's absolutely despicable. It's shameful. Uh, it's just, it, it's, I think Kimberly Fox is a measure for the danger this country is in. I have no respect for her. Uh, I have, I think she is, a, a, I don't believe a word she says about anything. I am very suspect about her political ties, how she came into office. Um, and she's, she's very, very dangerous. And, and that's something else that I want people to understand. The Chicago way is different than really any other system in this country. And, and, and people don't understand. And just what you said with Kim Fox, where did she come from? She just sort of appeared out of nowhere. She has deep political uh, ties um, to, I'll just say it, to Kamala Harris, the, the Democrat um, vice presidential candidate. Um, and, and the Chicago way of doing things is very, very dangerous for law-abiding people. And yet people don't seem to really understand that. They don't understand the system. Kim Fox very much believes in, in what we call procedural justice, that some people uh, need to just uh, not have to pay for their crimes. And it, it depends on their background and their race and, and things like that. It has nothing to do with the letter of the law or frankly, even the spirit of the law. And it is, it's dangerous for law enforcement. And frankly, it's dangerous for the city of Chicago. It's for its citizens. And I'm not sure people really re realize that. And you know, Chicago PD, you guys are a model for community policing. You've had the CAPS program. You've had so many great neighborhood policing programs. And, and yet here you are being told that you're, like you said, that you're racist, that you're not doing their jobs. And I know that has to be incredibly frustrating. Are you guys getting any leadership support these days? Uh, you know, you've got some new leadership. You also have the Fraternal Order of Police um, because, you know, we talk about police unions. That's something else you're, you're hearing about in the media. Well, the big bad police unions are the ones that are causing all these problems. We know that's not true, but talk a little bit about leadership. Talk a little bit about being a union cop. Well, uh, I, I think that right now that the movement that uh, Kimberly Fox was part of this, these radical prosecutors that have been, that were supported by George Soros uh, and put in in these big cities, I think it's part of a larger plan. And, and part of that larger plan is uh, a, a relentless war on the union rights of police officers. And they're, they're, they're really going after the fraternal, the, the, the police unions. Uh, and of course they have, you know, Chicago is a model of that. I believe that the founding fathers were the genius of the founding fathers who believed in a system of checks and balances because Chicago is a one party state. And because, and Illinois is too. And because it's a one party state, there's nobody watching each other. There's no other party that keeps an eye on what the Democrats, so they pretty much do whatever they want. And that's why I think corruption is so rampant here and why people get away with so much and why Kimberly Fox has gotten away with so much. So they are, I believe that they're definitely coming after the, the, the FOP, the police unions, they're, they're, they're vilifying them in the media. Uh, they're, they're throwing so many cases at the police. 
uh, that they're spending a lot of money in legal defense, then they're vilifying them for defending their office officers. So I think that it's very dangerous where the unions are at right now. But I think that President Trump has been a great supporter of, of uh, police and refuses to buy into the narrative. And uh, so when you talk about leadership, I would have to definitely point to President Trump and his administration and uh, also the Attorney General, William Barr, who is just doing an outstanding job, I think. And, and I, I think there's a real resurgence. I, I think what happened under the Obama administration is that the, the, the legal system, the justice system became intensely politicized. And I think that you're seeing a, a, a restoration of a Department of Justice based upon evidence uh, and law than uh, as opposed to Obama. And I'm very encouraged about that. For our union in particular, I mean, I was beaten the last election. Our current president is very outspoken, very articulate, uh, but we have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, I think I, I think everything's on the line in this country. I, I think we're in uncharted territory, and I, I, I can't sit here and say everything's going to be all right. I don't know. Uh, I think it's stormy times ahead, and I think it's everybody has to put their head down and, and do their job, which is why I do a lot of writing to try and that's my forte is to write. So I, I write and try and defend the police and, and be honest. I don't defend who people I think are dirty cops. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, I think where we're at. I hope that answers your question, yeah. How do you think um, people on the political left, how do they defend, and they defend them to the death, teachers unions, and yet attack police unions? Well, I think that, uh, you know, that's something we're dealing with, we're, we're frustrated with. I think that the, I think that unions in general who have moved along to the far left, like the SEIU and the teachers union and who sort of toe the radical left party line, they are well taken care of. And the unions who are either more traditional uh, or uh, who are, have any kind of cons you know, conservative ties like the police unions do, uh, they're vilified. And I, 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 you know, the labor movement has been struggling for years, particularly the private labor movement. So a lot of the strength in this country is in public sector unions and the ties to the public sector unions to the democratic machine are well-documented and I think uh, accurate. And so, uh, we're not part of that. And so we don't get the, we've had, we've got three to over three years without a contract in Chicago. And uh, uh, the teachers went a couple of weeks and you thought you'd think the, the whole world was falling apart. I mean, when they didn't have their contract for a couple of weeks and they have been uh, savagely attacking us. The, 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 a lot of the teachers are part of this uh, Black Lives Matter and these riot, these demonstrations that I would call riots. So if you tow the, the party line uh, as a union, you, you know, you get a lot of support. If you don't, you, you're, you're out there and you're, you're, you're fair game. Uh, it asks fundamental questions about organ, uh, you know, labor unions in this kind, particularly public sector unions, you know. Well, and police unions are different. And I, I, I hope people understand this, you know, teachers can strike. Police officers can't strike. Right. And, we, and, you know, so we, that's why you're going three years without a contract. And, yeah. and 
you know, that's like you said, that's not what happens with teachers. And yet now we're seeing this big divide with labor. It, only some unions are good. And I think that's also very frustrating to law enforcement, of course, not just in Chicago, but around the country. And, and Marty, you, you, you talked about President Trump and we have never, you know, you and I were both police officers uh, under Barack Obama. He was also our Senator and uh, he didn't like us as a Senator and he sure didn't like us as the president. And he brought that Chicago justice system uh, to Washington DC for eight years. And like you said, we are just, William Barr is just now digging our way out of that and restoring the justice system. So it's not so incredibly one-sided. It's not so punitive, uh, to, again, to one side. But talk about what it's like to have a president who, he loves cops. There's just no other way to say it. And he was this way when he was, you know, Donald Trump, the apprentice and Donald Trump, the businessman. He was always so appreciative of cops. And then when he got on the campaign trail, um, all around the country, I had friends sending me, texting me pictures of, of him posing with police officers. He would spend an hour posing with police officers and, and he never misses an opportunity to thank American law enforcement, to tout how good we are and say, yeah, there's a few bad cops, but most of American police officers are damn good at their jobs. How does that make you feel? Uh, it's terrific. I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's, I, it, you know, being a cop is a hard job. It's hard psychologically. It's hard physically. It's hard on your health. And, uh, you know, when you, when people, when you go out there and do what we do every day, settle these d domestics and, you know, these chases, everything. And, you know, people are, are treating you like a criminal. It's it, the eight years that, that Obama was criminalizing the police, and he was, I believe, he was criminalizing the police. It just had a devastating effect on policing. But I, I, I think that, you know, I think that uh, uh, Obama was far more radically left than, than he was, than anyone held him accountable for. And I now I know you're starting to see. I think you're starting to see this with the scandals in his administration, and most of the much of the public is not willing to look at it. I don't think fairly. But I mean, if if I was a if there was evidence of you doing what some some happened in the FBI during this whole Russia hoax, you and I would be looking at jail time. We'd be in prison. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> Gina, you and I'd be in prison for that stuff? Warrant, making up stuff for a false warrant on somebody, you'd be you'd be down for the count on that one. But absolutely. The left doesn't seem to be upset about that kind of dirty cops, the evidence of that kind of a dirty cop. But you know, anything else, they they'll they'll hammer you with a viciousness, particularly in Chicago. I mean, the, the worst media corruption in the country to me is without question the Chicago media. I mean, I am daily absolutely shocked at the moral depravity of the common Chicago journalist. I, I just I just can't believe the things they write about and what they say and the evidence they ignore and the lengths they will go to to paint a cop uh, um, uh, evil and some depraved killer, a folk hero. I mean, it is absolutely disgusting. 
and, and shameful. And Absolutely. I, yeah. That's why people need to understand that they have got to seek out other journalistic sources other than the mainstream uh, medias, the mainstream newspapers. You know, when I was a kid, we lived and died by the Chicago Tribune. I, 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 don't, I don't pay any attention to it because I know it's so incredibly slanted and it's going to be always slanted against law enforcement and against the, the criminals, like you said, which is, which is so incredibly frustrating. Yes, I, I remember the highlight of my day was to get up in the morning, get my coffee and walk out and get my Chicago Tribune, especially on Sundays. I, I mean, I would read it all day long. Now I wouldn't pay five cents for that. that, that and it's, I just think it's one of the great, you know, I'm a writer and a journalist. Mm. I, I, and I believe that the corruption uh, in journalism far exceeds any corruption in law enforcement. Uh, and though they, they tell a different story, I mean, it's a, it's a upside down world and the, 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 the lies that they can get away with it. They really do abuse the first amendment. You know, they really do abuse the first, they, they use it for the most sinister, uh, uh, motives. And it's, it's really as a writer, as a, you know, I love journalism. I grew up reading journalists to this day. I love to read good journalism obsessively. I read it. And uh, uh, so, you know, seeing what's coming out now and w what's going on is, is, it's really sad. It's, it's really, it's really embittering, to be honest with you. Well, Marty, we, we are so thankful to, that you spent some time with us. We're thankful for what you do. Uh, you know, I, I wish you Godspeed and I wish you, I pr I'll pray for your safety, man. If you'd like more information about the National Police Association, go to nationalpolice.org.